Distilled is a production of Chemical Processing. Chemical Processing focuses on serving engineers, designing and operating plants in the chemical industry. Welcome to the Solution Spotlight edition of our Chemical Processing Distilled podcast. Solution Spotlight, delving deeper into a topic from an industry perspective. I'm Tracy Purdom, Executive Digital Editor of Chemical Processing, and today we are going to discuss how machine maintenance can improve safety, meet production targets, eliminate unplanned downtime, fill skills gaps, and regulate supply chain issues. Seems like pretty tall orders, but to gain insight, I'm speaking with Tim Sykes, Heavy Industry Machine Health Lead at Augury, a machine health solutions provider that combines advanced sensors with AI capabilities and human expertise. Tim, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I understand that Augury sponsored a special report on digitalization with American Institute of Chemical Engineers. What did you learn in the report and was anything surprising? I don't know that anything was surprising, but it was a validation of, uh, on a much larger scale of, of a lot of the conversations that, that my team and myself have had with manufacturers in the chemical and, and oil refining space over the past year and, and several years, in fact. In the, the report, we learned that over half of the respondents missed their monthly production targets at least once a year. Half of them say their unexpected equipment failures are the highest risk of miss, missing those targets. And, and our team has been really kind of focused on, on helping those customers uh, in the manufacturing space to avoid those unexpected failures. Half of the respondents said unplanned downtime is typically more than half the time related to mechanical failures. And again, we're seeing a lot of attraction in the market to understand how do they how do they get in front of this? Now, we know all sorts of, of tools are out there for for plants to, to monitor their machines and uh, make sure that they don't run into this sort of, of issue, but a lot of reactive maintenance happens. What are the consequences of reactive maintenance? Yeah, particularly in chemical processing, oil refining spaces, we have to think of reactive work as, as dangerous work. These environments in which our, our manufacturing colleagues and personnel operate are inherently dangerous in, in most cases on their own. And, and any chemical plant or refinery that I've ever walked into, uh, is, is number one goal is, is to walk out of there with all your limbs attached and all your peers alongside you, right, to get home safe to your family. And so when you add into the equation reactive work, that is another hazard in those people's days, right, especially for the, the maintenance crews in particular. When a machine fails unexpectedly, you really don't know what you're going to walk into. What could be in that pump? How could it have failed? What hazards might be there that you otherwise may not have had time to plan for? So there's a, there's a safety aspect to it. I think the other piece of reactive work is, is one around just kind of the workforce itself beyond safety. Imagine coming into work each day thinking that plan for what you're going to do and how you're going to execute your day and you set some goals for yourself, and, and the best feeling in the world is to come out of the office at 5 or 6 o'clock and say, hey, I had a really good day because I came in planning to do this, I executed on it, and I accomplished it. And when, when your job is disrupted unexpectedly, how does that make you as the worker feel? Imagine if you are working in a reactive environment nearly 100% of the time where your job is simply just to put out fires. That's not a very fun job. 
when we have an, uh, a workforce issue in the industry already, how do, how do you maintain and, and retain highly skilled talent in an environment where they're getting called in at all hours of the night, that they have to come in on weekends unexpectedly and miss kids' soccer games? This is equally as much a safety issue as it is kind of a, a worker mental health and, and human resources retention issue. And then the last piece of the consequences of reactive work is that it just typically is more expensive to do than proactive work. If you're reacting to something, something has already failed. Right? The machine is down unexpectedly. Production might, may or may not have stopped. The machine failed probably in a way that's going to be more expensive to repair than it otherwise would be if you had gotten ahead of it and done some sort of proactive work or preventative work rather than the reactive type. So let's talk about the proactive and preventative work. What does that look like? What ultimately should it look like? The preventative work uh, has been going on for a while, right? In most cases, it's, it's about having a, a lubrication program in place, for instance, for your machines, right? You need to grease the bearings every so often to, to keep the friction down and to keep the, uh, to keep the machine rotating efficiently. You know, there could be periodic workovers of, of the equipment for a variety of reasons, motor rewinds, et cetera. But it's all typically done on a, on a time basis. And that's okay, right? But if you, if you use the analogy of, of thinking about how, how cars have operated over the last 10, 20 years and, and kind of the shift, you know, 20 years ago, we were changing our oil in our cars every 3,000 miles, right, or every three months. And that was really kind of time-based preventative maintenance. Now, your car... In, in many instances, will tell you when it, when it needs its oil change. And so we're no longer beholden to showing up at, at your local mechanic or doing it yourself in some cases once every three months. Now we can go based on how frequently we drive and how hard we use the car. And that's more condition-based maintenance where the industry in, in many cases is in a transition toward. Where the industry is going is this next stage of not just condition-based, but prognostic-based condition monitoring. And so, so continue to the analogy with the car. Imagine that you can tell, that your car can tell you when it would need its oil changed based on where you want to go. So imagine planning a cross-country trip and mapping out from New York City to San Francisco, let's say, and your car saying, this is how I know that you drive your car, how hard you drive it, this is how many highway miles you're going to have. This is how much time you're going to spend speeding. And your car giving you a calculation to say, hey, this is when you're going to need to change your oil based on how you are running a machine. And that's where the industry can go in the future. Go in the future, but it's not quite there yet. We're not far. What, what's prohibiting right now? What's prohibiting right now, I think, is a couple of things. One, it's it's a it's a step by step process, right? We just we you can't go from from horse and carriage to flying cars overnight. There's kind of a natural progression, mm-hmm. and so customers in many cases are still working in this this time based periodic preventative maintenance paradigm, and and are just starting to get to the point of trusting technologies like IoT sensing devices and artificial intelligence and machine learning to predict that their machines are going to fail in a certain way and, and when they're going to fail. And as that, as that trust builds 
in our customer base, and they they adopt these these new technologies and begin to trust that the technology is is telling them the right thing and predicting the right the right reasons for for failure, and they can show value and get ahead of of these failures, reduce their maintenance costs, increase production, et cetera, et cetera. They'll gradually make that shift to condition-based monitoring, and it's it's only then that they have reached a certain level of maturity in their processes and their trust in technology that they can take the next step and add additional context to the AI and machine learning from other parts of their operation that really inform them of that, that prognosis of how do they run their machines and, and how is that going to affect the machine from a maintenance perspective over the course of its lifetime. Well, in the beginning, we were talking about the reactiveness of it and how it it's down. It makes workers downtrodden, and and maintenance teams are tapped. They don't have a lot of of a lot of of give in their time. How can this be changed with this condition based monitoring? How can that help maintenance teams? Yeah, I think the the analogy to use here is we need to turn firefighters into forest rangers. And that's really hard to do because firefighters are, are typically seen as heroes. And, and you think about, hey, this machine has failed. Our maintenance technician, you know, came in at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, he worked all day to get it back up before the next shift. And, uh, and, and everybody's congratulating him and clapping him for doing such a great job in, in responding to the issue, to making the fix in a creative way, and, and to getting the plant back online and running. And then, and that maintenance technician probably feels really good about that, and he should. He did a great job. But wouldn't it be better if that machine had never failed at all? And so it's about shifting the mindset from that reactive to that proactive stage and to celebrate machines not failing instead of machines being fixed and turned around quickly. So when we think about what does that do from a, from a customer or from a, a, a maintenance technician's perspective, his job now changes from being called at all hours of the night or on weekends, right, to one that is more regular hours. It's a, it's a day that is focused rather than being pulled in, in multiple different directions. And it is one that, that ultimately saves the manufacturer money in terms of repairs and, as well as loss production. And as you pointed out, safety issues, many safety issues dealing with this. So the bottom line benefits, the workers benefit, the, um, the time spent, it just is an all-around better way to do things. It's, it's a complete paradigm shift. And it, it, it is difficult. As you, you pointed out, you know, you want to be the hero, but you also want to, to have some regularity. So there, there is a paradigm shift that has to happen, and, and I, I think we'll get there, right? I think we'll get there. I think we have to get there. You know, if we think about the consequences of an unplanned failure, we talked about the, the, the report that we did earlier this year, late last year. Manufacturers are missing their production targets because machines are failing. We know also that they all have workforce challenges. It's a known issue. If we're not preventing production losses, selfishly, you and I, the sealants and plastics that our, our, our readers and, and listeners are, are manufacturing aren't getting to 
the auto manufacturers, and in turn it becomes more difficult for you and I to buy a car, or the paints and the insulation that they're manufacturing don't make it to the home builders in time, and so home prices are, are skyrocketing, right? And so it's a, it's a compounding effect that, that needs to be solved from a supply chain's perspective, but also one that needs to be solved from just a, a workforce perspective. Technology needs to be an aid to the existing workforce, and it needs to be one that is looked at as a mechanism to retain talent and to augment existing talent. Tim, do you have anything you want to add that maybe we didn't touch on that is important on this topic? One of the challenges at, at Augury in, in our history, and it's, and it's pretty well known in any sort of digital transformation, is that digital transformation is not about the digital aspect so much as it is about people transformation. I'm not just talking about making sure that the users of a technology platform have solid training and know how to use the platform. If it was just about that, there are plenty of every, – every software uh, manufacturer, every technology provider has, has training programs. If it was just about that, digital transformation would have happened, uh, you know, met its, met its uh, nirvana goals, you know, long ago. So it's clearly about more than training. The key that, that we found is to have really a clear definition of success from the get-go, Right? And what does it mean for that success in terms of, of business value, in terms of uh, the ways of working, and then as well as in terms of some, some technical capabilities. But in addition to once you have that definition of success, it's about creating that visibility of those wins. And as you create that visibility, more people, more users in your company are likely to adopt that technology as you publish those wins and publicize those wins to your teams and under, help them understand the impact that those wins have on their business overall, it helps to drive kind of that, that teaming, one direction type, type focused organization um, and, and continues to kind of be the virtuous cycle of, of ultimately adoption. And that's, that's really kind of the, the key piece here that any sort of digital transformation needs to focus on is hey, it's, it's not that the technology works, right? We know AI works. We know IoT technology works. It's really about how do we make sure that the people that need to use it, right, that, that receive insights from the AI, but the people that actually need to take those insights and implement a repair, how do we make sure that they understand their role in this kind of loop, if you will? How do we make them understand the impact that they're delivering to the organization, and how do we begin to celebrate that at all levels of the organization because it's not just anymore about a machine breaking and somebody fixing it. It's about their role in helping to increase production, to service customers better, to deliver a safer working environment, and, and to deliver a, a work environment that is one that is easy to work in, fun to work in, a fun place to go to work where you're not pulled in a thousand different directions every day, but one that is focused and has a, has a solid role and, and a clear understanding inside the company. Well, Tim, I appreciate your time today and um, how you brought the human aspect of digitalization with your imagery and your, uh, your analogies really, and, and that people need the transformation. It really makes sense, and, and to, to partner with or team with um, folks like you, it really does seem like you have the vision. Thank you, Tracy. It's been a lot of fun today.